I am going to slightly change what I was going to do. I gave you a piece of paper when you came in, or I think you hopefully got a piece of paper. Uh, not going to use that now because that would have taken a little bit of time. What I was going to ask you to do on that piece of paper, and you can do it if you want. The trouble is I'll probably have given away the thing by the time you finish doing it. I was going to ask you this morning um, to have a go at drawing Samson. <laughs> right? So if you're visiting here today, then we've been, we just started a series a couple of weeks ago in, in the story of Samson. And um, I did ask, just for reference, a couple of people to come and speak today, but it didn't turn out that any of them could, so that's why I'm here doing it. Although it did turn out when I put this series together that I thought this particular talk sits very well with today. Uh, that's what I think. You can decide what you think afterwards. And just to add, really, I don't, I've never said anything like this before, but just picking up what Sandra said about the presence of the Holy Spirit, very occasionally, in, in worship usually... I get a kind of feeling in the tips of my fingers. And over the years, I have learned to believe that that is the presence of God. And as I lifted my hands in worship this morning, it happened this morning, and I thought, oh, good. Feels like the presence of God is here. So when somebody else says it, I'm thinking, I might be on the right lines. So I do believe this morning that the presence of God is here. Remember, I will say only that of which I am convinced. So I do believe that God is here, and I trust, and it's happening right now as I speak, actually, which is really weird, because it doesn't usually do that. Um, so you can make of that what you want, but that's my conviction this morning, and I trust that God has got some things to say. So if you had drawn a picture of Samson on a piece of paper, what would you have drawn? Just shout something out. Long hair and strong. Okay, that's all I needed to know. If you want to go away later and draw him, you can. That's entirely up to you. Um, because we actually think of Samson as strong, don't we? That's one of the main things we think of. Um, we know that because we are familiar with the story, or at least some of it, that at times Samson was enabled with great strength. And we then carry in our minds a picture of what great strength looks like. We know that Samson kills a lion with his bare hands because the story tells us so. We know that he caught, and I got this slightly wrong last Sunday, but nobody challenged me on it, so I'm guessing you hadn't read this part of the story, because last week in the story, which we so dramatically acted out, he tied together 40 pairs of foxes. Actually, it was 300 foxes he tied together by their tails and put torches on them. We know he did that because the story tells us so. We know that when he was caught and tied up with two new ropes, he was able to break free as if the ropes were made of charred flax, because the story tells us so. We know that he simply picked up the city gate in Gaza, put it on his shoulders, and carried it out of the city because the story tells us. We know that he was able to destroy the temple by pushing apart two of the supporting pillars because the story tells us so. We know that Samson was, from time to time, filled with great strength because the story tells us so. And my best guess is that we carry in our minds the image of a man who looked physically strong. If you met the winner of Mr. Universe, or the world's strongest man, you would expect, I think, to see a physique with bulging, rippling muscles, wouldn't you? Yes. And when you think of Samson being strong, that's often how we think of him. If I do a Google search on Samson... That's what comes up, cartoon characters or not. Here's a thought. 
If you ever met the universe and saw bulging, rippling muscles, you'd probably think, wow, he must be strong. Just look at those muscles. About right? You would have no doubt that he was strong because you would be able to see it, right? The Philistines had no idea what gave Samson his strength. We know that because the story tells us so. Turn with me to Judges chapter 16, and I'm going to read from verse five, uh, 4. Judges 16, verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we can tie him up and subdue him. Each of us will give you 100 shekels of silver. Now, just for time, I'm not going to read the rest of it. But the rest of it, up to verse 15, is Delilah trying as hard as she can to get Samson to tell her the secret of his strength because the Philistines don't know. So here's a question. If Samson looked like a strong guy, don't you think the Philistines would have attributed his strength to his physique? Yeah. So the point is, they don't know why he is so strong. So he probably didn't look like a strong man. We have images of what we think it means to be strong, don't we? Perhaps in truth, go with me on this, Samson looked a bit more like me in an Old Testament Hebrew sort of a way. Thank you, Ted. You're laughing just slightly too loudly at this point. <laughs> Hoping you get what I mean. Perhaps Samson looked like most normal men of his time. And here's a slightly provocative thought which I absolutely love. Stay with me because I think it's important. What if Samson looked more like a wimp than a strong man? I think that's not such an outrageous thought as it might first appear. And it might point us to a deep, deep truth about us, about you and me. And it might point us to a deep, deep truth about this church, especially today as we celebrate our anniversary. And we commit ourselves to following God again together, whatever happens over this coming year. The deep, deep truth about Samson is this. Actually, no matter what he looked like, Samson was called to experience great strength which came from God. Whatever he looked like physically, and he may indeed have looked like a strong man, we actually have no idea, but my best guess is that he didn't because they had no idea what gave him his strength. The ultimate source of his strength was not found in him, but was found in God alone. Samson was called to walk in strength that came not from within himself, but from the breath of God within him. Perhaps another way of saying that is a verse I'm sure you are familiar with. Zechariah 4.6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There are different ways of using and understanding the word strong, aren't there? It doesn't have to apply to physical strength. Sometimes when people suffer a painful or debilitating illness... We describe them being strong in the way that they bear it. She is so strong 
despite the pain, we might say. Sometimes when we face a difficult situation, we remind each other and ourselves to be strong. You can do this. Be strong. Remember who you are. When life gets tough, when tragedy strikes, when life takes an unexpected turn, we all want to be strong, don't we? We want others to look at us in times of uh, difficulty and say of us that we are strong, don't we? We want to be strong in the face of fear and uncertainty. We want to be strong if ever something happens that shocks us or surprises us or disappoints us or if our worst scenario becomes reality. We hope in those moments we will be strong. And we hope that if one day we are ever caught up in an act of terror, we will be strong and we will find it in ourselves to help others rather than to run, don't we? We all want to be strong. None of us, I doubt, wants to be a coward, do we? And perhaps this is where the story of Samson becomes such a challenge to us today as followers of Christ. Samson was called to walk in a strength that came from God and not himself, but from the breath of God within him. I suggest that if you remember nothing else from this series in Samson, This deep, deep truth is what you remember and hold on to. Because, friends, the truth is simply this. As flawed, fallen human beings, you cannot, however strong you might be, live the Christian life. Jesus said, love one another. Paul said, love is two things. Love is patient and love is kind. I'm doing okay until I put my name in there. Ian is patient. Ian is kind. And now I'm struggling. Because I am not always patient and I am not always kind. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Ian says, hey, I want to be the hero of the story. Jesus told people that their righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees And everyone listening knew that was impossible. And that's the point, exactly. It was for Samson, and it was for the people in Samson's time, and it still is today. Humanly speaking, the Christian life is impossible. Samson's great strength came from the breath of God within him. To live the Beatitudes is not to live to an external set of rules, but to have the life of God within, changing us to become more like Jesus. So Jesus isn't setting a bar and saying, here's what he's got to look like. He's saying, when you live the Christian life, when God lives and dwells within you, this is what it looks like as you begin to live it out. And the Christian life is not followers being strong enough to live well. It is a transformation of a life that comes from the breath of God within. Which is actually really, really, really good news for people like me. Because it means I can give up trying to be strong on my own and live a life worthy of the gospel in my own strength. 
Because quite simply, that is impossible. And neither is it what God asks or expects. And he doesn't ask it or expect it of you either, however strong you think you might be. Samson probably makes many mistakes. But perhaps his most significant comes when he has killed 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And in Judges 15, verse 16, we read this. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made a donkey of them. Which actually I find myself finding quite good. Anyway. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. Samson believes he did it. Samson announces his faith in his own ability. He celebrates himself only. He makes no reference to God whatsoever. Now, in case you're wondering why would God tell Samson to kill a thousand men, I don't know the answer to that. I'm wondering if Samson really followed God, he would never have done that. You have to wrestle with that kind of stuff. But Samson thinks he's done this. It is probably true to say that even the Philistines didn't believe that Samson had done this on his own. right? Because when they finally capture him, they celebrate by praising their gods. In other words, they even look beyond themselves because they think Samson has had some kind of help from beyond himself. Now, the fact they're celebrating False gods is neither here nor there. The point is they're looking beyond themselves because they think Samson has had help beyond himself. So even they don't believe that Samson's done this on his own. And maybe his own self-belief is what got Samson into so much trouble and ultimately led to his downfall. Let's be honest, right? Why would Samson tell the secret of his strength? Why would he do that? Unless maybe he thought, really, it was his own strength. And maybe for a fleeting moment, he persuaded himself to believe that even if he had his hair cut, it would make no difference. But then maybe in his last act, he got it right. As he stood between the pillars of the Philistine temple... Samson asks God for one more episode of his strength. This time, he recognizes he cannot do it on his own. Friends, every one of us needs help to follow Christ and live a life worthy of the gospel. Our strength comes ultimately from the breath of God within us, his divine presence, And to live well in God's bigger and better story, we would do well to cultivate ways to find our strength in God alone. And you have to figure out how you do that. Please don't misunderstand me. We are all people of strengths. We all have them. Sometimes we call them gifts, don't we? 
But we all have them. And remember the parable of the talents. Nobody got nothing. Everybody has gifts. Everybody has strengths. But because we are flawed, fallen human beings, we are also people with weaknesses. And sometimes we are weak precisely because we are also strong. And then we fall for Satan's lie and we try to do it on our own. Let me tell you how that plays out for me. So if I do what I think is a good sermon, and some people tell me it's a good sermon, I go home thinking, well done Ian, you did a really good job. Now there's an element of truth in that, because actually I am the one standing here delivering a sermon, which might actually have been a good sermon for some of you. But ultimately, the wisdom and the strength and the gifting is not mine, it's given to me by God. And I fall for Satan's lie if I continually think, That it's me. It's a kind of working together partnership, isn't it? And I wouldn't be surprised if sometimes God, I don't know how he does this right, this is just speculation, sits in heaven going, Ian, I'm not getting on board today because I know what you're thinking and I know what you're really trying to do. Because Ian wants to be the hero of the story this morning. You have to figure out how it works in your life, but I think that might be one of the ways it works out in my own. And the truth is, in strength and in weakness, we need the breath of God within us. So the question becomes, how are we doing, friends? How are you doing? And today, on this anniversary day, I think it would be good for us to ask this question, how are we doing, as the community of Crawley Baptist Church? And if you're visiting today, ask the question of the community which you find yourself in week by week, how are we doing? We are a church, a community of God people with great strengths. Now at this point, I could have gone into a great diatribe of all the strengths of Crawley Baptist Church, but just because of time, I'm not going to do that. But you know what they are, because some of it is because of you, isn't it? And the gifts that God has given you, because we want to be a church that works in our gifts, and we can't do it unless people use their gifts, which is you. But we are a church of great strengths. We are also a church, a community of God's people with weaknesses. We need the help of the breath of God within us. The moment we stand on a hill and announce, look what we've done, we are in trouble. The minute the vision becomes about what we want to do or we want to achieve or we want to see, we have a problem. The moment we set our plans in stone and close our eyes and our ears to what God is doing, we have a problem. As a community of the people of God, we need God's help. We need help in our strengths, and we need help in our weaknesses. I would like to be part of a church that understands and works through its strengths. And I would like to be part of a church that is honest enough to acknowledge and face its weaknesses. I would like to be part of a church that is led by leaders who lead diligently, who grows effective ministries working in and through our strengths, that has life groups that bring life, that has open and honest worship focusing on God and what he wants to say, that is full of people fully devoted to following Christ day by day, that genuinely seeks, as our banners say, to be so much more than Sunday that has a desire to serve the community, that values and supports families and family life, 
That is a place of transformation. So we don't go away unchanged. That has people fulfilled in serving in their gifts or their strengths or however you want to say it. That reaches the lost. That seeks first the kingdom of the heavens because I think that kind of a church is a church that honors God. But we need help to do any of that or to be any of that. And that is why, friends, we have set aside a week this week to pray. Praying is a humbling experience, isn't it? Because we come when we don't really know what's going to happen. Paul urges the Colossians to be devoted to prayer because he is aware that they need help. So we're going to spend some time together seeking God and asking for his help. And I'm really hoping that you will find it in your heart to join us in this week, whether it's here at the church or it's a time set aside in your home or your workplace or wherever it might be, that you can spend some time seeking God for the community of this thing we call Crawley Baptist Church. God sent Samson, told a young barren wife she would have a son who would be special because Israel was asleep. Israel desperately needed God's help. Samson desperately needed God's help. Because, quite simply, without God, Israel and Samson could do nothing. God breathed life into a barren young woman and did the impossible. She bore a son. God breathed life into Samson and gave him great strength to do something impossible, to rescue Israel. And God wants to breathe his life into his church and this church. So friends, let us not be asleep to the life that God wants to breathe into us, into this community for the glory of the kingdom of the heavens. Let us open ourselves to his divine presence and his divine help over the next few days. And let's discover together what God has in store. Amen.